Hi everyone. So welcome to the secret source of innovation. I'm on this journey to discover the secret source to helping successful corporate innovation happen and also startup creation. I want to tear through all of this conflicting and confusing chatter that steers us to inertia and get to the real reasons why innovation is important and difficult. With these chats, I'm going to reveal all of the ingredients and flavors that blend to make this sauce with the help of my guests. What we're looking into is innovation strategy, corporate innovation, startup and venture creation, and early stage startup investments. I'm really happy to be joined with David Eden today. Um, could you tell us a bit about yourself, David, and, and what your experience is innovating within corporates and, and supporting startups? Sure. Hi, Dan. Um, well, uh, very interesting. I kind of came into innovation fairly late. I started off as a, as a hardware development engineer many, many years ago, um, as you can tell from the hair. The, um, the, the reason I moved into innovation is because I got really fed up with uh, being told to create products that never actually went any, I, I, anywhere. I can't tell you how many months of months and years of work that I've done on a product that I've been asked to make that is then cancelled at the whim of someone in a corporation or at the whim of someone in marketing because it's not going to sell. So I think you know getting getting things right, innovating the right way, making the right products is is really what's important to me right now. Right. And then you're based in San Francisco right now, is that is that right? That's right. Yeah, I, I moved from the UK, um, which actually is where I met Dan. We worked together at uh, one of our former companies yeah. um, when he was, uh, you were very young at the time, but you've oh, yeah. really grown. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, it's great to see you again. Um, yeah, I moved to the US about five years ago, um, and I am I now consult uh, with multiple companies around the world, actually, on innovation and uh, corporate strategy. Amazing. No, it's a great, great experience. And um, you've obviously had both worlds of expertise from corporate leadership and uh, being an innovation director and in various roles to um, supporting with early stage development and startups. And you're obviously in the, in the thick of it in uh, Silicon Valley right now. Um, mm -hmm. Having seen both interactions with corporates and startups, can you tell us the importance about the separation and the integration between startup if they're to come into a corporate environment, right? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I, I think that's a really important question. One of the one of the things, obviously, we always see is is these big corporates wanting to, you know, get more money, get more money, get more money, and and they see their existing product lines being eaten away by these 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 innovative startups who come in and take away a piece of their business. Mm -hmm. And I think you know they always used to think that because we sell everything, our product is the whole thing. No one can possibly take take it away from us. You know, it's it's safe. And what we're seeing is the the, the little gaps that innovators and and startups find to chip away at pieces of that big product that 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 the uh, the corporate thinks they have. Uh, that's what's causing them to be worried. And so they immediately want to get involved with all of these clever people who can do all these clever things and make new stuff really quickly. And startups, you know, on the other side, uh, innovators are always looking for ways to fund their ideas. You know, they have this great idea and it's a real struggle. It, it costs money to do things. Um, in it, it, people think about innovation in, in terms of, oh, it's just a hacker software hacking away in his bedroom or her bedroom, making these things and they come out and they're fantastic. And all of a sudden you have WhatsApp or you have whatever, you know, some new video thing like Zoom. And, and the reality is, is completely different. There's a lot of work goes behind it, a lot of time and a lot of money. People have to live while they're making this stuff. They can't just live with their parents or they can't just 
you know, invent food as, <laughs> as they go along through their journey of making their product. Um, and, it, and it's even harder in the hardware world. I mean, hardware is hard. It's one of those things. It takes a long time to get a product out. And if you get it wrong, you have to start again. And it takes a long time again. So lots of money, lots of time. So the, you have this, what seems to be the perfect marriage, you know, this, this, this need from a corporation looking for people with great ideas and giving them lots of money to do it. And people with great ideas looking for lots of money from corporations who have it, who want the ideas. And so it, it should work, right? But the problem is that, corporations are massive machines they they have hundreds of people doing spreadsheets for finance they have hundreds of people thinking about which word goes on a particular marketing flyer that goes out of the door and a startup is i don't know five ten people who are rushing around doing every job you can possibly imagine to get their product out of the door as fast as possible the first thing that happens when when you put those two things together is that that massive machine just sits down on top of the little tiny group of people in the startup and squashes it flat mm. stops everything it just it just stops because the processes the requirements the sign offs all of the things that make a corporation run like this well-oiled machine or not so well-oiled in the case of some corporations that just kills the startup's ability to move fast yeah um because I've seen that in my experience as well, where, you know, and we've spoken about it before, that corporations mm-hmm. and the governance and the structure just kill startups dead in their tracks. Um, mm-hmm. Have you seen any any examples where that's that interactions worked well and, and any kind of functions that you can recommend for anyone who maybe a corporate innovator who wants to work with startups, but mm-hmm. let them flourish? Any kind of best practice around that? Yeah, I think recognizing that that the startup is going to do weird things in the eyes of the corporate, you know, it's, it's, it looks completely strange. Why are they doing that that way? You know, and, and thinking about that in terms of letting that happen within an environment of some sort of control, because a corporation needs to know that it has control of its money and that people aren't just going and spending it on whatever, um, you know, those financial controls, um, for example, are, you know, one of the biggest killers, but, but really the, the best places that I've seen innovation flourish within corporations is when that corporation builds a truly isolated bubble of innovation. Mm. So you you can bring people in from the corporation to that bubble, but what you can't do is have the corporation, you know, manage the bubble, if you like. Um, It's it's like you're looking into um, what are those? What are those great big zorbs? I think they're called like a big blow up plastic bubble that people sit inside or roll oh, yes. around. Yeah, and roll yeah, down. It's a bit like that. You know, you, you, your innovators need to sit in that zorb, and they're protected from the outside world by this big blow up, you know, inflatable bubble of safety. And you can poke the bubble, but it doesn't change what they're doing inside. And so it's creating that kind of insulation from the corporate world that allows. The, the innovators to innovate, but allows the corporation to see inside and see what's going on. So mm-hmm. that I think that's a really good analogy um, to think about yeah. innovation inside a Zorb where the corporation is outside pushing it around. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned kind of separating the two entities, but mm-hmm. we've also spoken previously about not separating them too much to make, you know, right. distanced uh, to a point of, they're, they're, the innovation is completely separate to the corporate end. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you do need, as I say, you need you, the corporation needs to have some sort of semblance of control. 
Um, mm. There needs to be some level of transparency about where the money's being spent or what people are doing or making sure that the innovation is actually supporting the goals of the corporation. You know, there's, there's no point in, I don't know, a corporation like Coca-Cola going off and coming out, uh, having some innovators come up with a mobile phone, right? It does, there are some things that you need to kind of keep in the direction of your own company being, you know, I, I don't think Coke's going to pivot and become Apple, right? That's not going to happen. So, so you, you do need to have that transparency of activity, make sure it's within your sphere of kind of where your company is going. And at the same time, make sure that you, you understand, you know, what is being, what is being made for your money. Mm. And so it, it, it's, it's tough to do that using your own a corporate standard finance department or a corporate standard marketing department, whatever you can't, when you start to apply the processes that apply to your corporation, that's when you break that insulation between you and the innovation. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that makes sense. So I, I think, you know, just, just one example of that, let's just pick on the finance thing, right? How, how do you maintain financial control of a bunch of wild and wacky innovators who are doing things you don't understand? Mm. You know, how do you do that? Um, and, and one of the ways I've seen that most effectively done is to create uh, a fund that is managed by people who understand innovation mm. so that they can report back on how that fund is being spent to the finance department using the finance department's forms and processes and approvals and all of those sorts of things, but at the same time allow the startup to access parts of that fund in a much more dynamic way. Um, and, and this kind of crosses over into another example here is IT. Mm. You know, if you're if you're looking to buy, if you're looking to use a piece of software tool, um, uh, so startups quite often require little software tools to help them. You know, whether it's some kind of um, management software for their note taking or some other some other tool like that, or some way to to kind of build some software. Um, these these tools are often not already approved by the IT, IT department of the corporation because they talk to other corporations about software. They don't generally go and buy from startups, for example. Mm -hmm. And so something like a piece of software would need to be approved by the IT department and then paid for by the finance department with lots of checks and balances. That can take an awful lot of time. Having an organization that manages the ability of the, of the startup to take advantage of these tools, which will help them to work faster, but at the same time, within this kind of isolating bubble that says, well, you know, you can use this tool here and we will pay for it. And we will tell other people that the money has been spent on this is a way of isolating the requirement from the need to control, which is, which is really the fundamental point here. Yeah, it's quite important that actually, and it kind of, something that you mentioned earlier is about startups doing weird and wacky things right but a lot of it comes down to some of the strategic aspect to it so I remember when we were working together there was a lot of work to do with before we actually do anything we're thinking about what we're doing it for and why we're doing it and I've spoken mm -hmm. to another uh, guest about mission vision and values but when we're working with startups and, and vice versa how important is it for the corporate to actually get their ducks in a row and their strategy aligned before they start to look at it because we've seen many examples where startups are brought in but serve no purpose and it's a waste of everyone's time right so could yeah. you go into some of that detail yeah i think that's a really good point i mean it, it kind of ties back to the the point about making sure that what the what the innovators are doing i won't say startups because you know it's it's a little bit of a misnomer mm -hmm. once they get into a corporation they're 
a part of the corporation. So it's it's a bit interesting. So I prefer to refer to them as innovators because they are the people doing that work. The the need of the of the corporation to think about the direction they wish to head in with an innovation program mm. is is extremely important. So you, you're quite right. Thinking ahead of the game um, is is a is a massively important piece of an innovation strategy. Uh, if you if you think you want to innovate, it's not good enough to just say, "Hey, we want to innovate. Let's let's run a I don't know, let's 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 run a competition for startups and and have them come along with their stuff and and then we'll use it." Right? If you don't bound that competition with, hey, we're looking for ideas around this, we will give you access to our stuff so that you can develop new things with our stuff. And, and, and a good example of that is, is the, the company we both work for where we exposed um, a, a, a selected amount of our um, data from within our network and, and gave that to people in a hackathon and said, what can you do with this? And we had, we had companies turning up and applying AI techniques to that data and finding robocallers in the network, mm. which we could never do. So it, it's thinking about how do you provide people with a base set of data and ideas that match it, but without telling people what you want them to do with it, that matches your company's direction, your corporation's direction in terms of product and business, um, with your partners, with you know, with your competitors, whatever it is. Because you have stuff as a corporation, you have stuff that can be used. You may not be using it in an innovative way right now. Yeah. So the key is provide a base of stuff, give people an opportunity to use that stuff in whichever way they want, and you will see that they come up with stuff you've never thought of. Mm. That, that's, that's really the key to this. Absolutely. Uh, that strategic piece is really important, but it also goes down into another topic that we have discussed, which is getting the product right. Because <laughs> yeah. when you are released to that much information data resource, um, sometimes you can get mm. starry-eyed. Um, mm. And that's something that you've been working on, I know, to get that right. So um, why is it important to really get that product or service right when innovating before building and it kind of brings in a little bit of this lean startup approach but I think you can go deeper oh. than that right yeah I think you know that there are a number of examples we can talk about but I you know it the real question is what does right mean to you mm. so you know if, if you're in a corporation um, right means you know something you can use in your business yeah, the, the fact that someone can take your data and make a thing that's really interesting doesn't mean you can actually use it. Mm. Uh, I remember one of the one of the internal innovation teams that that I don't I don't know if you remember this um, that I worked with while while we were working together came up with a uh, an idea of spotting credit card fraud. You know they they thought of a way of spotting credit card fraud, and it, you know everyone was like, oh that's that's really cool. There's so much credit card fraud. It's billions of dollars every year. Let's take this idea to the credit card companies. And the credit card companies looked at it and said, well, that's just an operating cost. We don't care about that. It sounds like a lot of money, but when you compare it to how much money we're actually making, it would cost us that much money to put this in and, and we wouldn't really save anything. So, you know, you, you have to think about, you know, the, because the idea is great, it doesn't mean it's someone else's ideal product. But I guess the, the learning yeah. there was that you tested that 
assumption before you built anything because i think the the one thing where a lot of startups and corporates get stuck with is they build the solution for say the credit card um uh, case use case they build the solution go to the credit card company no one wants it so they've wasted a lot of money and uh all, all it needs is a few conversations and a bit of strategic thinking right well, I, and I think that's this is where Steve Blank and um, Eric Reese and, and those people came up with this lean startup kind of methodology. It, it turns the corporate idea of, you know, build a thing and then market it until people buy it, which is kind of the way corporations work, right? We have a big marketing machine. We have a thing that's marketed and people will buy it. Um, it turns that on its head. It says, well, will people buy it if you make it? And so, you know, you go out and ask everyone that you can find, would you buy a thing like this? You don't, you don't say, I've got this thing, will you buy it? You say, I'm, I'm thinking of a thing like this, would you buy it? Is there anything you can help me, you know, can you help me with changing what it should do? Yeah. And, and you know, this idea of the pivot um, is, is not a thing that you see in a corporate development environment, right? There's this whole, you know, a pivot that takes a company like Slack where they throw away their, their entire product roadmap and use the tool they created internally to their company as the actual product. Mm. I mean, that's that's unthinkable in a corporation, right? We've spent all, if you went and had that conversation with management, a corporation, they would say, well, we've spent all of this money on this thing now. Why would we throw that away? Yeah. You know, you can't stop making it now. We're so far down the path. Yeah, they got like the confirmation bias almost. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. We've already spent money on it. It must be right. And so and so I think, you know, the, this is this is one of the kind of, we talk about, startups and, and innovators inside corporations people looking at them and they're doing wacky things right this is one of those wacky things a pivot mm. like that is a massively wacky thing to the observer from the corporation yeah i i've definitely seen teams that i've worked with in corporates where there's a lot of desk research done and which is fair at the, at the assumption level but mm -hmm. they get through to making a business case a business planning the you're asking them well have you spoken to a potential customer have you have you spoken to anyone around this idea but they've got this big thick business case and they want investment and um yeah and and it, it matters you, it matters how you speak to those customers as well i i once worked for a, a a big famous semiconductor company where the engineers we didn't have product management at the time yeah. the engineers would 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 ask customers questions like would you like more memory in our chips and the customers, of course, would say yes. Yeah. They would not say, how much memory would you like? And if it cost this much, would you buy it? <laughs> yeah. And of course, they'd go off and make a chip with more memory. And then we couldn't sell it because it was too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those, um, it's a bit backwards in that thinking. But I think what the audience want to understand is where, you know, we can talk, we can talk forever about, yeah. coulda woulda shoulda but have you seen any kind of horror stories where people have gone really wrong with doing this backwards and building and uh mm. building before getting to any consensus on the strategy of the the product um and i know you can't use any names but uh it'd be great to well, i mean there's quite a lot out there <laughs> if you only have to google product oh, yeah. <laughs> I um i i you know i think i there's a I think one of the elements that I wanted to just kind of bring out here is that there's this this that people do this new kind of mousetrap innovation thinking, where they they think that technology can replace things as a better way to do stuff we do now, 
Mm. Um, you know, and there's, there's this, the, the famous and sadly not true story of the, the space pen versus the pencil. Have you heard this one? Yes, the, I think so. It's, uh, yeah, okay, I got you now, yeah. The Russian space program used a pencil and apparently NASA spent millions developing a pen. Mm. You know, and, and actually it's not true because you can't really use a pencil in space because they flake and cause problems. <laughs> and also they, they're flammable. So, you know, bad things, right, happen. Um, in, in fact, you know, the company that came up with the space pen did the work themselves and then sold it to NASA afterwards. So it's, it's kind of, that's kind of an innovation success story. Um, on the other side of things, you've got a, a people thinking that a product would be a great idea and then it flopping massively, which is what we're talking about here. Google Glass, let's, you know, let's talk about that. Uh, it's, it, it was a bunch of very, very, very clever people in Google with you know, a lot of money available to go and do this thing. They launched it. And within three days, you know, people walking around the streets in Mountain View were being called glass holes. You know, that's the kind of marketing you need for your product, right? Because that, that really helps you. No, nope, they, they canceled it because no one wanted it, right? Yeah. Who wanted to be seen as that? Mm. It's got mm. nothing to do with the technology. It's to do with perception of someone using it, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's market research, right? Is someone going to walk down the street wearing a pair of glasses, talking to themselves or nodding their head in weird ways and looking strange? No, yeah. not really. There's only a very small market. Um, yeah, and I guess just kind of wrapping it back to the whole corporate innovation piece is that a lot of startups are looking for corporate contracts um, to obviously boost their, their top line. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the time it's important for the startups to be picking the right corporates to go to because I've, I've seen definitely in my my uh small work experience that um uh, startups go to corporates because they're searching out this um mm -hmm. this contract but they're providing something which actually doesn't benefit them in the long term and I know that you've seen that as well yeah I mean, I mean it's it's like you know you have to interview the people with the money and you have to ask them hard questions and not be afraid of the answers. You know, are you going to change my idea to suit your purposes because you're now in control of my wages? Right. That's a really important question to ask. You know, are, are you going to tell me that what I'm making isn't what you want? And now you're my boss because you have my money. It, it, th th those kind of those are not the obvious problems that, you know, a fresh faced young innovator would think about might happen in a corporation and it's absolutely what corporates do you know we have this startup working for us and they're not making something we want we'll tell them to make something else because they're innovators and an innovation is based around the idea it's not necessarily based around you can't take a bunch of innovators in the world of i don't know software app development and suddenly say oh can you make us a big you know massive database system because we want it to be cool and hip and trendy it doesn't you know, it doesn't necessarily fly. Mm. So innovation is built on people's skills, not the other way around. That's enlightening, actually. And I know because of the work you're doing, it's a lot of, you're, you're building a lot of hardware product. But I was just curious to get your understanding on doing it in-house versus outsourcing it, right, from a corporate perspective. Um, mm -hmm. What's the balance and and What's the pros and cons, really? Yeah, I mean, I think building capabilities in a corporation that are not in your wheelhouse is always difficult. It's always going to take a long time and it's always going to cost a lot of money and, and have a lot of failures. 
Um, but I'm, I'm very much in favor of, of creating a migration strategy. So an open and dynamic strategy that allows you to think about the things that you need to do, use external expertise to begin with, learn from that expertise, not so that you can do it, but learn that you can learn whether you want to do it or not. Right. Because you can watch other people doing that work and say, well, that's actually too hard. We don't want to do that. There's so much more to that than I thought there was. Mm. You know, I, I prefer to pay someone to do that because then I have the option to not do it if I don't want to do it in the future. Sure. One of the biggest issues in, in corporate life is, you know, oh, we've got this division that does this stuff and we don't need them. Now we have to lay everybody off or make them redundant. You know, it's a really tough thing to do, um, you know, to, to kind of change direction like that because of bad decisions about starting up this division to do that this division to do that because we thought it was a good idea at the time mm -hmm. so so having a flexible and migratable strategy that allows you to move between outsourcing insourcing you know it it it, it helps you to kind of try things out in a very controlled and low risk way and the same can be true of innovation. You can, you can try things out with startups externally to your corporation. You don't have to bring them in. Mm. You still have to have that isolation layer to allow them to work in that bubble. But, but you, you don't have to have facilities. You don't have to have them on the IT network. You, you, know, you, can, you can incubate them in a, in a separate facility using, using someone else's you know, resources right. and, and still re re get, get the benefits of their work for you so i you know and i've we've tried all i mean i think you've been involved in some of the stuff that that we did previously where we had that blend we have a blend of internal innovation external innovation and a kind of mixture of the two where you're incubating an external team mm. you know with the company's money so so i think it's 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 about being flexible you know innovation itself is innovative it, it's not a formula-based problem you you can't show up with a, a the book that says here's how you do innovation in the corporation it it's very individual it it, yeah. it needs to map to your needs it needs to map to your strategy it needs to map to your direction because it needs to give you goodness at the end of it you can't you can't just do it because we want to say we're innovative and there are so many corporations who do that right yeah and, and i've seen it a lot where the corporates do it themselves as well and um oh. sometimes you just need that external hand mm -hmm right just to tell you what it looks yeah. like from different perspectives different insights because innovation can be run by an internal team we've seen its success before mm -hmm. and uh it will continue but it's very dangerous doing it all in-house by the people who are in the company without some sort of external perspective you're drinking um, your own kool-aid right you're believing your own hype mm -hmm. and you're marketing your own market and it's 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 tough because unless you get some external viewpoint on it you don't know you have no idea what you're doing and you do end up in that situation where your ceo will stand up and say you look how innovative we are and people look at look at what you're doing and, and sort of roll their eyes or, yeah. <laughs> or frown and it's it's the opposite of what you intended right it's it's not what you need and it's, it's been really great to hear your insights on that but on top of that i want to find out a bit more about what your kind of future steps are in the world of mm. innovation and startups i mean have you thought past next week <laughs> oh my word so so um yeah so one of the things that i've been doing over a number of years um working with some friends and partners is is creating um uh, an actual innovation i don't know what to call it but it's 
it's like it's not it's not advisory i mean that sounds a bit uh, that sounds a bit consultative you know it's not it's not that it's more about how do you work with companies alongside them to help them create their own innovation culture their own innovation uh, output and their own innovation management system using a number of tools using a number of 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 you know tried and tested methods that have worked over the years um and but really it's it's a bespoke thing it's a you know you can't like i say you can't write it all down because the first thing you do is sit down with people at the company to understand the company mm. and so what i've been doing and what i'm continuing to do is to is to do that with companies getting into conversations with people who want to quote have an innovation something yeah and finding out what it really means to them because once you've found out what it really means you can then head off in a in a direction that says oh well these are the sort of tools and techniques you need as opposed to here is the cookie cutter stamp that says we're innovative here's mm. how it's working here's how it works this way you know so there's a there's a there's a there's a kind of organic nature to the development of innovation within corporations following a few basic rules like the ones we've talked about yeah. and so what i'm doing is developing products and services around that and and learning more and more every day i, I learn more about innovation from corporations and startups every day it's, it's it's just a continuously evolving world it really is it's interesting it's it's really interesting that's why i'm maintaining my foot in the in the big pond because mm. it's just yeah learning something every day uh and when you think you know everything, then it's just more stuff comes. And uh, that's right. so interesting. Where can people find out more about yourself or get in touch with you? Is, where's the best place? It's a great place. If you, um, I mean, if you just search David Eden and weirdly the word mango speed, you'll find me. <laughs> Is there any uh, correlation, David? And no, um, I mean, if you've got a moment, I can tell you. So, so yeah, yeah. one of my friends one of my friends um used to work in marketing um and an agency and one of the very worst jobs that an agency can be asked to do is to name a product or service or a company it's just soul destroying it usually happens around a big conference table with a massive crate of alcohol and you know people come up with names now they used to have a competition where they had three joke names for companies or for products mm. um, that they would try to insert in a client's list of, you know, short list of 10 mm. to see if they ever got picked. <laughs> and Magnet Speed was one of those. Oh, wow. so I've just usurped that name because it's fairly unique. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. I mean, um, but it does help people to find me on LinkedIn. So. No, it's a good, it's a good story. Um, and it is always a pleasure to talk to you, David. Um, I'm sure we'll be connected for, for very much a long time after sure. this and um you know there's plenty more that we can also speak about so i'm hoping to get the different flavors and then do the next uh round of uh topics so we'll be able to to reconnect on that point of view as well